When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. Blake, Iowa Gopher. Just happy to be included. And you Street. Hey y'all. Well friends, uh, it's nice to have the whole crew back together. Um, I did not die during my COVID week and the Gophers beat Michigan State quite handily which is a, a very enjoyable uh, thing, uh, obviously. Looking for a recap on that, we've got the uh, Great Takes Less Filling pod out there on the blog already uh, for you to enjoy. Other than the laughter I shared with Street uh, towards Michigan State fans for somehow deciding that it was totally reasonable that they paid Mel Tucker $9.5 million a year for a decade and thus booing their team in the first quarter was something they should be doing against Minnesota. Uh, what other things uh, made you laugh this past week? Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess that at least one of you mentions Wisconsin. Uh, but Blake, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, I don't know if it's so much laughing, because um, I do have, I would say, I, I like and respect Pat Fitzgerald, but at what point uh, is he on the hot seat? I mean, you think about it, this season alone, he's, I mean, he beat Nebraska, which obviously isn't isn't much. We I'll give him credit for like setting them on the path of destruction. He gets credit for that. But then since then <laughs> they, they've lost to Duke, Southern Illinois, and now Miami of Ohio. And I, I realized in 2020, they won the big 10 West, but sandwiched uh, on the, on the outer right edges of that season are, I think two, three and nine campaigns. And then this season, I mean, they're one and three and I just don't with their schedule too. I don't know how many more wins they have on the schedule is I mean, I understand he's done a lot for that program, and they've probably experienced more success under him than any other coach previously. But, um, yeah, I'm just generally curious, like, how long the leash is with him, and at what point, if this keeps up, do you say, like, hey, Pat, maybe we want to you, – you've done what you can. We want to look elsewhere. But, uh, yeah, it's just a fascinating situation there um, from my vantage point. I mean, if you talk to a Northwestern fan, they would seem to say his leash is as long as he wants it. He's coached for life. That university is perfectly comfortable just rolling with him. I don't actually know if that's true, but, I mean, that's – it's not a great – they don't seem to be too happy as a fan base with uh, with Pat, and, and they certainly don't seem to have any expectations about what will happen. I will say this is how – well, minus the early Big Ten game with a win – this is how 2018 started when they won the division. They lost all didn't I'm almost positive they lost all three of their non-conference games all to bad teams. I think one of them was Miami of Ohio. Well, I know Ak- then they Akron was one of them for sure. Did Akron, that's what it was. Um and then they went out and, you know, won the division. I don't actually think that's going to happen. I'll simply caution that until they lose at least a single Big 10 game, 
we should be uh, on the lookout for that weird Pat Fitzgerald magic to uh, to appear. Um, but yeah, no, you, I mean, if you want my opinion, dude should be on the shortest of leashes because they've proven they can win the division. They've proven they can have success. They've got the money. Uh, you know, maybe challenge yourself to be successful and not uh, lay around lay around in mediocrity, but. You know, I'm not Northwestern. And, I mean, so. you do bring up a good point. They are tied for first the Big Ten West, and I mean, it's the, <laughs> so they're still they're, their goal of winning the Big Ten West is still before them. So I guess you know we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Obviously, not encouraging early signs, but um, you know anything can happen. I guess so. We'll see. To put it in PJ Fleck terms, they are still one and zero in the Big Ten West <laughs> championship season. This is true. Uh, Okay, Andy, uh, are you going to be the one who laughs at Wisconsin for me? I mean, not really, because they pretty much did exactly what everybody expected was going to happen to to Ohio State. So it's not even. I mean, it's just. Ah, it's not that funny, I guess. I mean, it's not like they lost like sixty three nothing or something like that. They actually scored a few points. So, um, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh at. Uh, I'm going to laugh at our neighbors to the north in the University of Manitoba. Um, apparently, women's hockey not a not a big thing at the University of Manitoba, uh, as is the uh, Gopher women's hockey team played them in an exhibition game Saturday afternoon, and for about the first quarter and a half of the football game, it was an open question of who was going to score more points, the Gopher women's hockey team or the Gopher football team. And it's not because the Gopher football team wasn't scoring points. Um, the, the hockey final ended up being Minnesota 13, Manitoba 0. Um, and it got to the point where it sounded like, from what I was hearing, that they literally were sitting one of their top lines per period. Because um, it could have been a lot worse. Um, so, props to, to Brad Frost for not completely making it even worse, but uh, we'll, we'll chuckle it at our, our hockey mad neighbors to the north, and maybe they should uh, maybe they should work on, on finding some of those Canadian ladies who probably are pretty good at playing hockey and see if they might enroll at the University of Manitoba next time. I gotta say, didn't think University of Manitoba was on the bingo card, but, uh, you know, Andy just out here to, to keep us guessing. Street, uh, anything that uh, tickled your funny bone this past weekend? I mean, the Wisconsin game was funny. I would maybe move to the south, and in particular the great state of Texas, which had two different amusing things. One, Texas losing to Texas Tech in overtime, which was hilarious. And the second one, the Arkansas-Texas A&M game, which has one of the most bizarre plays I've seen in a long time, the attempt to jump over into the into the touchdown for the Arkansas quarterback. He fumbles the ball, and this is promptly returned for a touchdown by Texas A&M. That, as a play, was hysterical. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I've ever seen the uh, hurdle turns handoff to the defender turns uh, 99 or 100-yard rumble for a touchdown uh, fumble recovery. That's not, that's not really a thing, but it is now and we're all better for it. All right. Well, we have news, uh, before we get into, uh, previews and the like, uh, officially, if you've been paying attention to what's going on in the name image likeness space with the university of Minnesota, you'll know that there have been 
uh, efforts to put together an NIL, um, I don't know, consortium. I know there's a better word for it, but a group supporting uh, University of Minnesota athletes and their uh, name, image, and likeness dreams. Uh, that group, Dinky Town Athletes, has officially launched uh, and, you know, timed out well. Coach Fleck uh, in Monday's press conference uh, gave, uh, gave Dinky Town Athletes a shout out. Um, Blake, I think you're probably the most plugged in on this uh, of everyone. And I've, I'm going to turn it over to you to explain both a little more about how this is working and then how folks can get involved if they're so interested. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. I mean, um, obviously, collectives is the big buzzword in college football right now, especially since, you know, NIL. There it is. Collective, not consortium. <laughs> collective. Collective. You were close. You, you know it was a C word. Um, but collectives are the big thing. This isn't, you know, like some of those Tennessee or USC collectives that are just big donors. This one's probably a little bit more of a grassroots type of organization where you can, from a fan standpoint, beat, there's membership levels, you know, on an annual or monthly basis. There's, like, different membership levels. But basically, you're paying a fee and that fee helps support, you know, NIL opportunities for student athletes across Minnesota. This isn't just a football thing. There's athletes from across university, volleyball, football, basketball, you name it. Um, they can opt in to participate. I don't believe that it's just, it's a blanket benefit for all athletes. They have to opt in and participate. But, um, for a fan standpoint, yeah, I mean, becoming a member, there's different levels of benefits, like, you know, access to exclusive interviews, videos, um, members only events, different, different things like that. So that's kind of the benefits from the fan standpoint, but really I think from a program standpoint too, it's critical for the universe to have something like this. Um, Cause I mean, the, the landscape was already tipped very heavily in favor of helmet schools that have deep pockets. And in this day and age, even from not just a recruitment standpoint, but from a player attendance standpoint, you know, we've seen last year, you know, Bucky Irving left to go to Oregon because, you know, to him, a big NIL deal is a big deal for someone from, you know, his background, his family didn't come from a lot of money. So that kind of money makes a lot of difference for players. And, you know, they're not just going to, some players just, any of it, a good program with good playing time isn't really all they're looking for in life. Sometimes a little bit more. So, um, so basically Dinkytown athletes is, you know, that, that the membership thing is kind of one component of it. They're also, you know, looking to connect players with potential company sponsors or to do, uh, you know, endorsement deals, things like that. So, um, it's kind of a multifaceted organization and we actually will have, um, a Q&A next week on the website. I'll tee this up with Derek Burns, the founder of Dinky Town Athletes. He's actually a former University of Minnesota football player. Um, get connected with him, and he's going to just kind of walk our readers through what this organization is. You know, why he got involved, why it's so important, and just kind of the how it works and things like that. So tune in for that next week. But uh, yeah, really a very exciting development for the University of Minnesota Athletic Department. Obviously, I think Mark Coyle had a Zoom call, I think, last week with an open Zoom link with fans to kind of talk about it. PJ talked about it at his press conference this week. So um, very big deal, something really worth exploring. Um, you can go to dinkytownathletes.com to see, you know, look at frequently asked questions, figure out how you can get involved and uh, things like that. So yeah, very exciting stuff. And for those of you who are, um, the internet is a dark and confusing place. Remember, this is not an NFT. This is not uh, uh, an image on the internet that can be sold and resold for money that can also just be copied for free. This is a, a chance to actually invest in something, namely the players at the University of Minnesota. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to uh, that, that uh, Q&A. Um, I haven't uh, been, you know, 
kept in the loop on well i haven't kept myself in the loop so it's uh you know good good to know a little more and and thank you blake for taking the lead on that uh looking ahead at football we will be uh previewing purdue here in just a moment but first we need to celebrate being ranked in the dumbest of all internet things uh from the pre-internet era now into the internet era we have the polls the associated press uh, media poll, the USA Today coaches poll. Uh, you know, it, they're dumb. They don't run on logic. We'll put it that way. Uh, but it is better to have a number next to your name than not. Uh, and I guess at this point, I would say we all probably think Minnesota should be ranked a little higher than they are. But still, better to be ranked at all at this point. Um, do I mean... What at this point do you think Minnesota needs to do, Andy, to see itself move higher? Is there really much we can do until we get to Penn State to control our own destiny? Or do you think it's going to be more about keep winning and spots will move up as the losses mount for other teams? Yeah, I mean, I think that's honestly probably about where we're at is, is you know, we, we were at a natural disadvantage starting back so much further in the polls. In fact, there's still 16 AP writers that decided the Gophers aren't in their top 25, and if you look at some of the teams that are in the top 25, you're scratching your head. So, yeah, at this point, all Minnesota needs to do is just keep winning, and they will gradually make their way up as other teams drop off. Um, And, you know, yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that a a 6-0 Minnesota heading into that Penn State game um, will... that will be the game that will make people officially put on notice for Minnesota, whether they can pull out the, the win in the whiteout or not, or at least play them close, or whether, you know, they go out and, and have a terrible game, Penn State blows them out of the water, and then all the voters will decide that Minnesota's a paper tiger. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at this point with, you know, I, I think potentially the game that some people might have circled maybe that at Illinois game especially if Illinois can either take out Iowa or Wisconsin the next two weeks um, that one might be an, an intriguing game but yes the the Purdue and then the bye week um, you're just trying to keep winning you're just trying to, to hold serve and and you know hope that you garner enough attention that by the time the rankings really matter come mid to late November, uh, you're in a spot high enough where you can uh, hopefully get to where you want to get to get to the right bowl game. Well, I think Andy has described what we all expected, which was uh, a potential for undefeated ranked Minnesota versus undefeated ranked Illinois. Uh, Blake, I'm sure that was well in your plans for, uh, you know, this season to have an expectation of a potential for that outcome. Yeah, have we had, has it happened before? Two undefeated Penn State, Minnesota? Uh, uh, got, well, Penn, yeah, that, that could happen. He said Illinois, which just to oh. don't forget that Illinois did, in fact, lose to Indiana week two. Um, so Illinois oh, wait, is, what... is not undefeated. God damn it. See, this, I do not like early Big Ten games. They don't. That's not how the world works. I can't remember what happened to the Indiana-Illinois <laughs> game because that doesn't really matter to me, and it happened in week two. And I'm just saying, Big Ten, you're making it confusing for me. Is all I'm I see, that's what threw me. You said undefeated, and I was like, oh, he's Penn State, yeah. And I was like, Illinois lost already. What are you doing, man? <laughs> well, uh, making a fool of myself as per usual. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm good at. Uh, okay, well... 
Blake, remind me, when does the college football playoff ranking come out? Is that before or after the, the Minnesota Penn State? Um, I want to say that's like, is it week six or seven maybe? I, I think it's I think it's the first week in November, so it'll be after the Penn State game. I, I okay. I'm pretty sure it's like November, whatever that Tuesday is in early November. The the I guess that'd be November first would be it. I don't I'll I'll double check and come back to it, but I'm pretty sure it's that early November date. Well, I thought it, I thought it was a little earlier than that because I remember. So the first one came out last year because Minnesota was. Um, actually, maybe it is November first because they were six and two, I think, last year when it came out, and they got ranked twentieth, and they immediately lost to Illinois. Um, so yeah, that would have been eight games into the season. So yeah, it should be right around that start of November that the first one should come out by eight games into the season. Yep, it is correct. November first is the first one. So then they go six weeks in a row until Selection Day on December fourth. So yeah, they'll they'll get the rankings will come out, and then yeah, Minnesota has I think Northwestern, Nebraska, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin. Also, Street, you're not aware of this yet, but I am secretly researching how we can position you to become an AP poll voter. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I know that is your, your dream. Much uh, along with, I could not imagine you wanting anything more in this life than to deeply cover recruiting for the blog. <laughs> uh, I think being an AP poll voter must also be very high on your list. So just keep an eye out. For that uh, inevitable email when one of these 16 yahoos who aren't voting for Minnesota yet, when I get them replaced uh, by U Street. Uh, and that's actually what we'll have. I'm working very hard on it. U Street will be your poll vote. It won't be your name. It won't include, I mean, the media outlet, obviously, it is going to be there. But it's going to be U Street from the Daily Gopher. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like Prince. <laughs> All right, Blake. Uh, Purdue. So, obviously, a lot for this weekend um, in terms of what we anticipate, what we expect, is going to hinge on whether uh, Aiden O'Connell is playing at quarterback for uh, Purdue. I certainly expect them to be able to score points regardless because it's Purdue and Jeff Brom, for all the things that he is, is a good uh, a good offensive coach. Uh, but, like, if you were to give me percentages, what... Do you, do, you, do you even go 5% chance Purdue wins if they're without AOC, or is that pretty much a, a must-have for them to, to beat the Gophers? Ah, you make me nervous getting into specific percentages. I feel like I, I, I there's confidence, and then there's, like, you bring in numbers. I'm like, I can't commit that hard. Um, I mean... Okay, without, without the numbers, give me a vibe check here. Like, how much calmer are you going to be vibing into Saturday's game if they do not have uh, O'Connell to, to throw at us? If they don't have him, I mean, I feel I would feel really good. I think, um, you know, he's, the backup is UCLA, former UCLA transfer Austin Burton, and he's been, I think, in that program for a couple of years now and just made his first start for them, and um, he was okay. I think he had less than 200 yards passing. They didn't pass as often as they usually do. Um, he's a little bit more mobile, um, but he can't stretch the field the way O'Connell is. And O'Connell has, is like ridiculously accurate and efficient. I think he has the school, school record for um, completion percentage in a season. So he's just that, that offense can really hum with O'Connell. I don't, and I just don't think it can hum the same way with Burton. Um, he had a good game against a little, I wouldn't say good solid game against Florida Atlantic, but again, that's also Florida Atlantic. This Minnesota defense um, has been outstanding for, 
four straight games now. They've only, I mean, the first team defense is only allowed three points to four opponents. Um, and I mean, their, their secondary is, um, lights out. I mean, you've seen them against, uh, Michigan States. Why does he record, which, you know, all American Jaden Reed, um, Trey Mosley, Keon Coleman, they're, they're tied in Daniel Barker. I mean, that's probably outside of Ohio state, probably one of the best, um, receiving groups you're going to find in the big 10 and Minnesota shut them down. Um, so I think if Purdue's going to have a chance in this game, they really need O'Connell back there. And I mean, the vibe I'm getting is from just Purdue fans is that they're not holding their breath. That he's going to play. I, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like the Minnesota fans are all like, yeah, he's definitely going to play. I'm, I'm counting on him playing. And I'm sure PJ Fleck and the staff are get are counting on him playing and they're going to prepare for both him and Burton. Meanwhile, Purdue fans are like, oh, he won't play. They're going to hold him out. So, um, yeah, it's a weird situation too with O'Connell. It's like a rib injury he suffered in the, f- the first quarter of the Syracuse game, but he played the whole Syracuse game. The way Brom um, kind of talked about it this week was, you know, adrenaline or whatever in that Syracuse game made him think it wasn't as hurt as he was. And then the, after the game, he kind of settled down and realized uh, something must have happened. And he sat, didn't even dress for the Florida Atlantic game. And then, yeah, Brom said it's going to be a a decision later this week, which I don't know if that means O'Connell is practicing, which, I mean, if he doesn't practice all week, are you going to put him in the game Saturday if he's cleared for the game? So I don't know. Yeah, but I think to have a chance, they need they need O'Connell. And um, obviously he's built a crazy connection with Charlie Jones, who's apparently like the best receiver in the Big Ten right now. He's, he's certainly he's matched his production from three seasons at Iowa and four games at Purdue, um, which speaks. Yeah, that. That was a good decision on his part to just say goodbye, uh, Brian Ferentz. I mean, I, I don't want to play for you no more. I can't think of a greater indictment of Iowa's offense than for this guy to spend three seasons at Iowa and then match that production of across those three seasons, four games at Purdue. Um, I mean, he speaks to how much Purdue passes, but just like the way they, I would give Jeff Brom credit. He utilizes his playmakers in offense. Like that's, what his whole offense is, is predicated around is getting his playmakers the ball in space. Um, he does that. He, I mean, they've done that fairly well. Um, so credit to him. But yeah, Charlie Jones, I, I'm, I'm selfish, selfish. I'm very looking forward to that Iowa Purdue game just to see what he does um, against his old team. I think that'll be interesting, um, just from a shade and fruit standpoint. But, uh, but yeah, to circle back to your initial question, I really think Purdue needs O'Connell to have a chance in this game. You know, I'm gonna street. I'm gonna bounce your way just for a quick minute before coming back to to you, Blake. I'm I'm kind of having a hard time figuring out for myself what to expect from the Minnesota defense, uh, and I, I I mean it this way. This is clearly an extremely efficient defense. Um, they're playing very well. Uh, at the same time, I'm a Minnesota fan, so it's hard to wrap my head around the idea that even against good offensive teams, they'll continue to keep this up. Um, do you do you see this as a game where Minnesota can continue to do what they've done and really shut down an offense as talented as Purdue's? Or do you think this is a part of the season where you know they're facing a good enough offense where we'll move into more of that bend but don't break? They definitely will still be stout, but um, you know they'll give up a few more yards in exchange for making the plays when it counts. It's not clear to me that Joe Rossi isn't doing that philosophically. It's just partially there's a bit of an opponent quality question. And also, yeah, I think the team talent-wise is much higher. So you can play a little bit more, quote, bend but not break. But if all you need is four to hit the quarterback, well, 
spend in operates can be pretty successful. To your specific question, yeah, I think this is a good benchmark game. Purdue, to me, presents, assuming Aiden O'Connell plays, presents the best offense that Minnesota will have seen all year, potentially by a reasonably wide margin. I wasn't particularly impressed with Michigan State's offense. So in that sense, you have a good opponent for that. Also, you have an opponent that is very happy to air the ball out. And I don't think Minnesota has played a team this year that is has any talent whatsoever for which you can say that. And so it'll be a good test of the secondary. I think that Justin Wally's been playing quite well. I think that Terrell Smith has had an absolute resurgence and renaissance for the first four four games this year as compared to last season. So if the corners can play well, and then of course continuing the safeties can continue to do their job, yeah, I think if they have a similar kind of game as they've had the first four weeks, I think you would say, yeah, this team's defense looks very much for real and barring injuries should be a you know, very top, top team, certainly in the conference, if not the country. Were that to hold this upcoming week and then for the rest of the season, I suspect Joe Rossi would not be at Minnesota for long. Blake, you know, something Street said there, um, I think, serves as a pretty good segue into talking about what you're going to, what you expect to see from the Minnesota offense versus what we can expect to see from Purdue's defense. Purdue throws the ball a ton. Obviously, you talked about in your preview this week how their running game has continued to lag behind. That's been a kind of a a real standard of the of the Brougham era. Their 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 running game just isn't there. And King Daru, their best running back, has been injured recently. Um, just how bad could the time of possession stat get if Minnesota is able to you know get their stops um, versus Purdue uh, defensively? Because you know with them throwing the ball that much, I mean, no time's going to come off the clock, and then you hand it over to Kirk Shiraka and the Minnesota offense and. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I just have this vision in my head of of a forty to you know uh, a forty to twenty kind of forty five to fifteen kind of uh, uh, ball control game, um, and it makes my heart smile. But I'm interested in what you're you're thinking we'll see from the offense. Well, I mean, if you uh, if you asked PJ for kind of an explanation for his philosophy on time possession, he'd probably point to Purdue this season. They they've had again. Both of their losses, they had a lead in the fourth quarter, but couldn't put the game away because they can't run the ball. You know, how many times have we seen Minnesota's offense under Fleck grind out these 10-minute drives in the fourth quarter with a lead, just running the ball? I mean, they had a huge lead against Michigan State, but we saw them put together like a 14-play drive late in the game where they just ran the ball every play and got down the field and chewed up time and scored at the end of it. I mean, that's... Fundamentally, what that offense is built to do is, you know, suck the air out of the room and keep the ball away from the opponent, limit their opportunities to catch up with you in the score. And Purdue just can't run the ball. They, I mean, that's been their Achilles heel since Jeff Brom took over. Um, and I think that's the the reason the Minnesota offense has been so dynamic this year is because, you know, as PJ says, balance isn't throwing for 200 yards, rushing for 200 yards. It's taking what the defense gives you. And if you need to throw for 300, throw for 300. If you need to run for 300, run for 300. And that's what they've been able to do. And that's kind of what we saw against Michigan State where, you know, they earlier they were playing single high safety and putting an extra defender in the box and putting their guys 
um, and man coverage saying, hey, we're going to focus on stopping the run. If you're going to beat us through the air, like Tanner Morgan's going to have to make these throws and these guys are going to have to get open. And they did. Guys got separation and Tanner made some incredible throws. Um, so, I mean, that, that to me is the difference maker for this offense is just being able to throw the ball when you need to throw the ball when the defense is giving you that and running it when they're giving you that opportunity. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how Purdue approaches Minnesota defensively, I think, against Florida Atlantic. And I know Andy watched a little bit of that game, too. I they think they took a similar or defensive approach to Florida Atlantic that Michigan State did in Minnesota was they put an extra defender in box um, in the box and then put their guys in man coverage saying, hey, like we're going to stop this Florida Atlantic run game. But um, they just they had a really tough time against Florida Atlantic. I know their quarterback is very mobile, um, racked up a lot, of, a lot of rushing yards against them and um, just created a lot of havoc in their defense and their cornerbacks and safeties really struggled in man coverage. Um, so, I mean, just the fact that we saw um, Minnesota's wide receivers play really well in man, um, I think bodes very well. And, uh, you know, Purdue's been, you know, decent against in stopping their run thus far, but I don't think they've faced a running game quite like Minnesota's yet. I mean, Minnesota's is the second ranked rushing game, rushing attack in the country. So, um, yeah, it's just if I'm a defensive coordinator trying to scheme against this Minnesota offense, um, I, I'm really not sure what you attack first because you take one thing away and then just lean on the other. So it's it's just really hard to game plan for this offense. One thing that really stood out to me. Um you know, against Michigan State was just how great a job Tanner Morgan did of taking what the defense gave him. And then today, the only colors, uh, Michigan State's blog, uh, did a film breakdown of kind of getting into in, getting into that a little more. They were looking for positives for the Michigan State side of things, and their their main positive was, hey, we actually were able to play tougher defensively in terms of forcing tougher throws. Unfortunately, Tanner Morgan's an excellent quarterback, and he made every single one of those throws. Uh, and when I watched the the film breakdown, I was like, yeah, you know what? There were some throws that required a little bit more, and Tanner was spot on each and every time that he was challenged. Um, that was a real nice feeling. Uh, also, I, when I hear you talking about a mobile Florida Atlantic quarterback, Blake, uh, my takeaway is, of course, then we can expect Tanner Morgan to run for 300 yards. Uh, noted uh, escape artist that he has shown himself to be in the Michigan State game. Well, what's funny is, did you see the postgame um, quote afterward from Michigan State's defensive end, Jacoby Winman? He, no, I he, said, he said they were told that Tanner Morgan was not a runner. And so that the, they didn't they didn't respect him at all as a runner. And I think he he picked up three first downs in that game with his legs. And afterwards, Kobe was like, "Yeah, we just weren't, we didn't expect that." I was like, "I mean, you have he's played forty plus games at Minnesota. Like, it's not like he's an enigma. Like, he's done he's made plays with his legs before. He's not obviously low. He's put that on film. He's not Lamar Jackson by any means. But like, if he needs to to run and and get some yards, he will." Um, so that just, that quote I thought was kind of baffling, um, maybe speaks to their preparation, but, uh, but yeah, people, you know, take notice Tanner Morgan, um, dual threat quarterback. Andy, let's just assume for a moment that I'm wrong with my prediction of Tanner Morgan on the ground for 300 yards. I know it's, I know it's unlikely that I'm incorrect, but let's just assume I am. Do you, what do you hope to see, um, from the Minnesota offense? I mean, do you, do you have a preference? Is this a feeling where you'll you'll take whatever they get, or are you really looking to see them establish the ground game, uh, uh, you know, and and run over Purdue until Purdue you know forces them to stop? 
I mean, honestly, I would I wouldn't be too disappointed. I'd like to maybe see a little bit more run game than Mission State, but I wouldn't be too disappointed with the the game plan from Mission State. Uh, watching that Purdue Florida Atlantic game, I mean, they they literally play pretty much man coverage, and if you look, they were putting their corner cornerbacks out on islands all game long. So if you've got Tanner Morgan and you trust you can find the uh, Dalen Wrights and the Daniel Jacksons to beat a guy one on one on the outside, that's all day long for Tanner Morgan. Um, the biggest thing I think is going to be keeping him clean. If you can keep Tanner Morgan clean, give him a good pocket and let him pick apart these defenses, I see no reason why Tanner can't have an equal game against Purdue as he had against Michigan State. Um, and and I do think, um, you know, that that's going to be a key. You know, I think getting the go for running game again, um, Mo Ibrahim got a bit banged up. Sounds like he was back at practice today, so he's probably okay. And you're going to need to run the ball some, but I do think um, this is going to be one of those games where, I mean, if Tanner Morgan is on and the receivers are on, there's no reason why why Tanner can't pick apart this defense again. So, um, yeah, I guess that's that's what I would love to see is is the Gophers go out, be aggressive, um, you know, get some get some nice passing yards in early, and really get uh, get Jackson and MBS and, and Dalen into the game, Brevin Span forward, and and really just sort of set a precedent, saying, "All right, you want to play finger coverage? Here we go. We'll beat you man to man every day, and and let Tanner go. Um, you know, if Tanner struggles a little bit, then you know you go back to to trying to establish the run a little bit more. But um, you know, I think we've definitely all seen a, a resurgence of Tanner, uh, getting closer and closer to 2019 level Tanner, if not back to 2019 level Tanner under Kirk Shiraka. So uh, I feel confident that he's ready to have another big game on Saturday if needed. Well, I'm actually going to take that prompt and go round robin with y'all real quick. 2019 Tanner against Purdue obviously uh, completed 95% of his passes in that game. Uh, his all-time record as a quarterback, the program's all-time record for completion percentage in a game. Uh, does 2022 Tanner uh, best himself against Purdue? Anyone to any any takers on saying yes to that? I mean, that's like that was the greatest performance of his career. I'm pretty sure. I mean, at least completion percentage wise, that was like the highest. I think he set record for completion percentage in the Big Ten. I think in that game. Yeah, I'm not touching that. And I'm pretty sure two of his incompletions were drops, like straight drops, like not on Tanner at all drops. Well, yeah. Remember t- t- Tyler had to get his one in per game, but. Uh... <laughs> I remember we were we were at that game, and yeah, the way they were throwing the ball around in that first half was just insane. I mean, Rashad had some incredible touchdown catches. It was just, yeah, what a fun game to be at. All right, so that that was a bit that was a bit too far. Uh, Street, if you had to make a prediction nearly as bold as Tanner will outperform his uh, twenty nineteen performance against Purdue, what would your overly bold prediction for Saturday be? Minnesota will have about twice the total yards that Purdue does. That is is bold. I would like that. Watching an offense-focused team like Purdue have to watch Minnesota double them up in production would be... That would be nice. I I would love that. Again, I'm making Um, the assumption that Aiden O'Connell is not actually going to play quarterback for Purdue, in which case I think that is a reasonable, bold prediction. Disclaimer. I suspect I might think a bit differently if Aiden O'Connell was playing. It's an important disclaimer. Uh, Hey, actually, uh, Blake or Andy or Street, somebody, 
What was with, because they didn't play the UCLA guy the entire game against Florida Atlantic. Did he get dinged up or something? Or did Jeff Brom do that stupid thing he does where he decides to play the really bad quarterback? He, he likes to switch up the quarterbacks. I don't know why. Because um, he even said this week if Burton gets his start, he wants to mix in the third string guy a little bit as a change of pace quarterback. Um, I guess. Why? Because the third string guy sucked. I, don't, Andy, I know Andy watched more of the game than I did. Was there any rhyme or reason to... No, he just... he just They put him in for a series in the second quarter. Yeah, just because that was what... what Brom said he was going to do, and he was going to play him a little bit, and then it was fairly obvious by halftime that Burton was by far the uh, the best guy, and, and so he got the vast majority of the snaps in the second half as well. And Brom did say in his press conference, as, as Blake said, that um, if Burton's the guy that he, he plans on giving the third-string guy uh, is about as much playing time as last week as well. So he, he most likely will see at least a series or two, um, but... Yeah, I think that's just Jeff Brom overthinking things because it was it was fairly obvious that that Burton is by far the uh, the better option and and will give him a much better chance to uh, to perform on offense. Well, well, Jeff, you know, on behalf of uh, U Street, who has placed a, a qualified but bold prediction out, we we welcome you playing the quarterback who shouldn't play. Uh, it really does uh, benefit um, the possibility of Minnesota doubling up Purdue offensively in terms of total yards. So, you know, go for that, Jeff. We're, we're, we're behind you. Um, I'm just realizing, you know, it's homecoming this weekend. I didn't just realize that. I, I was aware. But I'm also realizing we haven't quite yet talked about the fact that the University of Minnesota is putting a, a, a very solid, well-organized effort behind uh, a stripe out for homecoming. So alternating sections of maroon and gold. And I just want to, one, commend the University of Minnesota for doing such a great job of organizing and and putting out uh, reminders and, and offering uh, discounted apparel sales and everything they can to make sure that uh, a fan base that has often struggled to grasp the concept of a stripe out or, an, or a gold out or any other form of color-based promotion uh, to make it a little easier. So this is your reminder, fans. It is a stripe out uh, on Saturday. So that means each section has a gold or maroon theme. Uh, you can go to gophersports.com. They have it very nicely laid out with a color-coded. You get your section number. It's very easy to know. Uh, and if you do not have the correct color, just go get it. It's not hard. Maroon or gold. Make sure you're wearing the right color on Saturday uh, at 11 a.m. for kickoff. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully a very full Huntington Bank Stadium with uh, a real slick-looking color, uh, alternating color scheme uh, amongst the fans. Uh, Andy, is it really hockey time? I mean, I know we were talking about women's hockey and Manitoba and, you know, you just playing a, an odd bingo card for laughter, but men's hockey, are we just a week out now? Uh, less than a week. Uh, the, is it the, this weekend? It is this weekend. The The Gopher hockey team opens up the uh, 2022-23 season, 7 p.m. Saturday night. So you can make a day of it in, uh, in Stadium <laughs> Village if you so wish. Um, in fact, the tailgate supposedly, tailgate lots are supposedly still open until 7 o'clock for tailgating. So you could go to football, celebrate a win, come back, have second tailgate, and go right into the hockey game at 7 o'clock, where I believe, at least at the State Fair, they're selling tickets. I think you can still get hockey tickets for like $15 to $20. Uh, mainly because they are playing Lindenhurst 
University. Um, uh, and that's it, not a real school. It, it, uh, it, you, it, you, you, you made that up. The only reason I know it's a real school is because their women's hockey team has been D1 for about five years now. But uh, this will be the men's hockey team debut series in Division One hockey. They've only had a club team up to this season. Uh, and they are playing their first two games of Division One hockey at the University of Minnesota. And then they get to play their third and fourth games of Division One hockey at the University of Michigan. Have fun with that, Lions. Um, uh, to be clear, were they a good club team? Uh, does it really matter? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If Minnesota does not win this weekend by a cumulative total of about 18 to 1, it probably should be a bit of a disappointment. Um, this Gopher team is talented. They have a ton of veteran presence plus a incredibly talented freshman class. And they're playing dudes who played club hockey last year, or they're like third-string transfers coming in from other schools. So, yes, as long as the Gophers actually do what they should do, there's no reason that shouldn't be an 8-0-9-1 game in both games this weekend. They should absolutely uh, destroy Lindenhurst. And, you know, get the get a bit of a experience before their schedule turns significantly harder as they uh, they play number three Minnesota State in a home-and-home home next weekend and then have a weekend off before hosting number four North Dakota. So uh, get the kinks out this weekend. Uh, it's a good opportunity for... Uh, well, technically, I think he's a, now a redshirt sophomore goalie, uh, Owen Bartoskevich, to see his first collegiate action, most likely on, on Sunday in the second game of the series after uh, Justin Close plays on Saturday. Um, really just a good chance for the Gophers to, to work out the kinks, blow out a team that has no reason to be on the same ice as them, and uh, get ready for the season to to take a significant upturn and, uh, in hardness the following weekend uh blake obviously hockey season means it's time to ask you a hockey question this one is is much about how much you were paying attention was it go for nation levels of attention span to what's going on around you or you know were you uh up in your game a bit what is the mascot for lindenhurst i definitely had go for nation level of attention span on this one <laughs> i mean andy Literally just said it, so I didn't. It did not clock the nickname at all. I I remember hearing Lindenhurst, but I did not clock the nickname at all. If you were to alliterate, if if they were to if they were to have an L mascot, what would you guess it would be? Lindenhurst loggers. That would be cooler. That would be cooler than what they have. That'd be cooler. They they in fact are the the lions. But to show how much respect I'm giving it, it's not even the right name of the school. It's Lindenwood, not Lindenhurst. <laughs> Wait, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait. We just did an entire men's hockey preview where you just dissed the other school by not even saying their name properly. Yeah, it's, it's about right. And, and frankly, <laughs> as I'm sure they will use this for bulletin board material before the games Saturday and Sunday, but uh, that's probably about the, the respect level that they, in fact, actually deserve going into this also, weekend. Lindenhurst is a better name, too. Lindenwood sounds like the country club from uh, Caddyshack, and we all know that didn't turn out well for the opponents of the Gophers at all. And, yes, I know it's Bushwood, but, you know, it, just just saying. It's not a very good name, Lindenwood. So, so they, they, need, they need to change their name to the Lindenhurst Lockers, obviously. That's the takeaway here. <laughs> 
So if we see a spike in listenership from St. Charles, Missouri over the next couple of days after this is published, well, you'll know why, and you'll know that they've got this recording printed out as, as bulletin board material before they face the Gophers on Saturday night. For what it's <laughs> worth, Lyndon Hurst High School is in Long Island, and their mascot is the Bulldogs. I, lo- I love that you're just doing random Googling behind the scenes. I actually didn't have to Google that one. Uh, I've been to Long Island before. There's a lot of layers to this. Now I have questions about why you memorized that particular school from Long Island during your visit. I mean, it mostly, mostly, I think like all things, uh, what sticks in your head is the incongruities of life. It was strange to me that they wouldn't have been a lion or something similar. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Given that Andy is clearly not fully on his game right now, I'm going to quickly ask uh, if uh, U Street, you think you are best equipped to talk about the golf team, or do I trust uh, Andy to give it a shot? I thought they got rid of the golf team when Mark Coyle called sports. Oh, no. that They tried once. That was pre-Mark Coyle. Uh, well, then I guess I have to turn to you, Andy. Apparently golf had a good weekend. Yeah, we actually uh, get a rare shout out for the for the golf team, but uh, for both the men's and women's golf team, um, the men won a uh, tournament, the McDonald Co- Cup, hosted by uh, Yale. Uh, they are facing a bunch of Ivy League schools and Michigan, uh, who thinks they're an Ivy League school sometimes. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Gophers uh, turned in a great uh, round on Saturday in the second round, shooting ten under as a team. Um, Jack Wetzel shot back to back sixty sixes. Uh, or excuse me, Ben Morian shot back-to-back 67s on Saturday and Sunday. He would finish uh, third overall as the individual, but the Gophers won their first uh, tournament since the wait for it. Get her done! Invitational, hosted by the University of Nebraska in the spring of 2021. Nothing? Nothing on that? Okay. I want you to never, ever say the Get Her Done Invitational ever again. Well, bad news. I think the Gophers are back there this spring when uh, Nebraska hosts the tournament again. Uh, I was going to say I think it should become one of the regular sound effects of the podcast. (laughs) Actually, that might have to happen. Andy, you're screwed. Sorry. Sorry. Even more impressive, the the Gopher women's side, uh, a freshman named Luisa Mariana Misones from Churijo, Peru. I'm slaughtering that. I think it's Churijo. Um, she set a new Minnesota single-round record shooting an 8-under-64 Sunday at the Lady Paladin Invitational hosted by Furman down in South Carolina. New course record, new gopher single-round record, uh, pushed her to a second-place finish in the tournament. Uh, but yeah, uh, 64, that's only a score, I think, many people could dream of of recording and uh, she's just a freshman so hopefully that's a good sign of uh, things to come for uh, for her and the gopher women's golf team over the next four years i couldn't shoot a 64 if i just straight up decided to lie and made up my card like i don't think i could let myself count that low in uh, falsehoods um so yeah that's that's an okay that's an okay performance uh, right up there with uh, the Gophers sweeping Wisconsin in volleyball, in fact. Yeah, that was uh, the great Sunday night performance by the Gopher volleyball team. They bounced back after opening Big Ten play, getting uh, slaughtered at Purdue, a 3-0 sweep Friday night. Never really looked like they had it at all. Uh, came back to host number 6 Wisconsin at the PAV on Sunday and, and earned both their first win and their first sweep over the Badgers since 2018. 
Um, really great performances from uh, Taylor Landfair, uh, freshman Wisconsin from freshman from Wisconsin. Excuse me, uh, Michaela Wusher uh, really looked good as well. Um, yeah, the Gophers are, are they're one of those Jekyll and Hyde teams this year. Uh, they can put on a performance like that against the Badgers and look like they did against Purdue. So uh, hopefully we have more uh, good than bad as we go on the, the rest of the way. Uh, they get a reprieve this week. They get to play Northwestern and Iowa at home, uh, a couple of the Big Ten bottom feeders. So finally off of the ranked teams for a little bit. But uh, uh, hopefully the sweep over the Badgers can be what they need to get back on track and go on a bit of a run here the next few weeks. Predictions. It is prediction time, friends. Uh, Street, we'll start with you. Obviously, we know that you uh, do not prefer to go with the traditional prediction model. What random prediction do you have for us uh, for the homecoming game against Purdue? Two picks by the back seven. Any? Are you gonna willing to put down a name to one or both of those picks? I think up? one from a linebacker and one from a safety. All right, Blake. Uh, I believe if I remember, I'm going to try to, I'm going to see how much attention I paid when reading your preview. Uh, if I recall correctly, your preview prediction was 31 to 10. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, which team did I pick though? I mean, that's the score. Which team did I have? <laughs> uh, the Minnesota Gophers, like, but of course. Okay, you get an A. Good job. Andy, what's your prediction for uh, Saturday? Yeah, I think the Gophers win no matter whether Aiden O'Connell is out on the field or not, but I do think he's worth at least seven points to the Boilermakers. Uh, so if O'Connell does play, I'll go 34-17 Gophers. If uh, if we don't see him, I'll go 34-10, and it's a fairly comfortable 34-10. Uh, not really in doubt, pretty, pretty comfortable fourth quarter, but maybe this is the first game where we don't actually get to see the, uh, the second string play any time. All right, I am going with 31-17. That is uh, with O'Connell, without O'Connell, I'm just saying 31-17. My hope is that the Gophers actually uh, do a little bit better than that, that I'm um, being a little negative. I'm hoping that uh, the efficiency of this defense may continue to surprise in ways that uh, are uh, joyous for all in maroon and gold, which is, again, my reminder, it's a stripe out. I'm not going to be like super cranky if it's not done well, but it's not hard either. So if you're going to the game, go to the website, see what color you're supposed to wear, wear the color for your section. Stripe out 11 a.m. Saturday homecoming against Purdue. Uh, Until then, however, keep looking to the blog for uh, content uh, related to this game, related to all the other Gopher sports that are playing. And in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat.